0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Prep Life Podcast. This is your founder and CEO of Glam Girl Bikini, Amy Anger, today with my fabulous co-host. Hey, everyone. This is Chris Nicole, Glam Girl Bikini Coach and IFBB Bikini Pro. So before we get started on today's topic, we are going to be talking about time-restricted feeding, and it's a study that was done, but I know we have talked about this before, so I just wanted to put that out there that it'll be new information centered around this research article. Um, you can go back and listen to our intermittent fasting and time-restricted feeding window. That's all the information about Dr. Sachin Panda that is unrelated to today. So today's topic is going to be new and different. And this is going to be uh, based on a study that was done if A time restricting feeding window is better than a flexible diet approach for fat loss and maintaining muscle mass. So before we get started, I wanted to make the announcement that we do have a posing seminar coming up this Sunday. So excited. It's at Blush Fitness here in Overland Park, Kansas, and we will be um, there for an hour. So from noon Central Standard Time to 1 o'clock. And it is open to the public, so you do not have to be a glam girl necessarily to attend. But I do know we have um, several shows coming up for the fall, one of which is our team show in Des Moines, Iowa, November 12th. Mm-hmm. At that point, I think we're four weeks out. Is that right? Yep, or is it four weeks. Yeah. Um, so we have that, and then I, I believe All Stars is here in town in three weeks. Um, so if you are in the Overland Park area or – if you are like some of our podcasters i know in past uh posing seminars we've had people drive all the way from springfield missouri or different parts of um wherever so wherever you're from you're welcome to come it is free and open to the public and it is going to be an hour of instruction and uh practice i am definitely a person to not sit there or make people sit there and listen to me talk i like to Mm -hmm. Learn kinesthetically through movement and so that's how I mean I think a lot of people do that where they they kind of tend to gravitate towards teaching in their learning style and obviously I was a PE teacher so I am all about movement so a lot of the work will be active and it will actually be you know progressing through some mobility and also some holds and vacuuming and different techniques that you can use from the floor up to perfect your posing. So it will definitely be not your average average posing seminar. It's not going to be a bunch of talking about, you know, the standard front pose and back pose and things like that. We're actually going to be working through. So it's going to be a very active practice. You might feel sore the next day, so be prepared. Schedule a massage. <laughs> Anyway. Okay. Are you still there, Chris? Yeah. Oh, okay. I was like, (laughs) it's dead silent over on the other end. No, I'm sorry. I'm here. Okay. Um, So anyways, we're going to get into this study. And why don't you start since I've been rambling here? I'm going to wake you up and I'm going to have you uh, (laughs) give the background on this study. Sure. Okay. So
1: we'll cover some background information on in- intermittent fasting. Um, this last, the study that we're reviewing um, was done in 2021. So it is relatively new. Um, intermittent fasting is, has received some popularity. Um, people are firm believers that it will help them lose weight. So this study will address a lot of those things of um food timing and having like a feeding window and a fasting time. So uh, as intermittent fasting, as the name suggests, it's a eating pattern where you are, you have cycles of fasting and eating times. Um, One of the reasons it's become popular is because, like I said, people attribute a lot of their weight loss and their progress to just following these eating times and these rules. So um, while can provide some help in your goals. Um, there's no special magic here. So again, I think the study did a really good job of analyzing um, all the different facets of <clears throat> how time-restricted feeding, excuse me, was implemented. So um, <clears throat> it intermittent fasting is unique um, because there's no restrictions on types of foods. <clears throat> excuse me, everyone. Um, There's no restrictions on types of foods. It's just basically on what you are eating or on the times that you're eating. So looking at these eating windows. Um, So basically, you can eat whatever you want within these eating window times. And then you follow the fasting times. And then you should, as people uh, claim, get excellent results. So um, did you want me to continue or did you want to go over the types of intermittent fasting?
0: Yeah, I can go over the different types, and so that's probably why one of the reasons why it's a little bit clickbaity is just that people like the idea of being able to eat, um, however and as much as they possibly want in a window. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are different ones, and these some of these that I'm going to mention are not great for especially females because. We have a lot of hormonal changes that happen when uh, we go without eating. And so one would be alternate day fasting, and that's basically you have a non-fasting day, and then you have a day that you can eat whatever you want. And mm-hmm. this is called like the 5-2 diet. So you eat normally for five days a week, and then you ingest no food, no caloric beverages um, for those two days of fasting there's a modified alternate day fasting and that's similar to the alternate day fasting, but you're allowed to eat about 500 calories on the fasting days. So you're at about 20 to 25% of your energy requirements. And then there's the one meal a day fast, uh, where basically you just have an hour to eat as much and as little as you want. And then the rest of oh the gosh. 24 hours, you, uh, eat nothing. And, um, then the time-restricted feeding window, which I think is very popular and mm-hmm. one that I adhere to. I think it's very realistic from a hormone perspective, digestion perspective, and then also taking into uh, account that we as lifters need protein bolus pre- and post-workout. So this one would be your time-restricted feeding window where the best-known method is the sixteen eight method. So no food is consumed for 16 hours of time and then eight hours is your window so no specific number of meals are eaten or no specific calories Mm -hmm. it's just you're basically you know allowing your digestion to clear out for the 16 hours because some foods take that long to process and um yeah so those are the those are the types do you want to talk about who was in the study
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, so the subjects here were healthy males and females between the ages of 20 and 40 years old. They were considered slightly overweight, so their BMI was around 26, if you're looking at a BMI scale, Um, and their average body fat percentage was 20%. Um, All of the subjects were physically active. They did regular resistance training about two days a week and then cardio uh, two days per week as well. So they were active adults.
0: Right. Yep. And then they were randomized subjects and they were put into two different diet groups. There was the flexible dieting group and there was the time-restricted feeding group. So the total study length was 16 weeks. The subjects were not assigned to their diet groups until after the first two weeks of the study. So during those first two weeks, they were referred to as the familiarization phase and this is how the subjects learned to document their food intake and put it into a food diary database like my fitness pal or some other function like that mm-hmm. so, do you um, want to take... so after that yeah. so even though they were not specifically instructed to decrease their calories during the first initial two weeks of the study they definitely made some alterations um and lost some body fat during that time. And then after that two-week familiarization period, the subjects were randomized into their diet groups. And they followed the diet assignment for the next eight weeks. With During this time, they had guidance of a nutrition coach and things like that. And so the nutrition coach would provide the instructions for the subjects to follow. And had you know questions that they were going to be answering. And... Mm-hmm. In that time frame um, with the support, basically, there was also a non-support at the end of that for the Mm -hmm. last six weeks on the phase. They just um, were basically in a non-coaching phase of dieting. So that's where the total number of weeks comes from in the 16. So two familiarization. And then we have the eight-week coached version and then six week non-coached. Perfect.
1: Yes. Okay. So let's talk about the nutrition details, um, specifically with the eight week flexible diet. Let's talk about eight week flexible diet group. Okay. Um, so after the familiar, after the f- <laughs> familiarization,
0: thing, <laughs> I know it's like so hard. To oh say. my
1: gosh. I'm sorry, everyone. This is like not hundred percent Chris Nicole. Um, For the subjects in the group um, with a flexible dieting, all food types were allowed. So, like I said, no food restrictions were set. Um, There were no time restrictions on when they could ingest their food. Uh, The subjects were instructed to consume 80% of their food from unprocessed and then 20% from processed foods. So, um, you know, to make that a little bit clear, you know, 80% was from whole food sources like your fruits and vegetables, um, complex carbs, and then unprocessed is anything that's like easily um, digestible, kind of like what we had talked about in the last podcast with Bill Campbell. Um, so the intention of the instruction was so that subjects were eating a whole food based diet and not a bunch of f- fast foods. Um, so that they would be able to like meet their macro goals.
0: Yeah. And then uh, their, oh, their group, the most important factor on their variable is that they were told to decrease their calories by 500 calories a day. So for them, I believe like maintenance was what around 22, 100, they had suspected.
1: It? Yeah. It was like 23. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. 22, 36. And then the, with them lowering it to 500, they were around 1,700 uh, calories. So they were instructed specifically. And then the time-restricted feeding group was not told to decrease their calories. Instead, they were just told to eat before noon and at, um, to not eat before noon, sorry. So their feeding window was from noon to 8 p.m., and so they could not eat calories outside of 8 p.m. after that. Um, and they were not instructed to reduce their calories. That's very important to the key there for both of those. You still there? Okay, yes. Yeah, you're still here. there. Okay, good. All right. So let's get into – I think that covers what was going on there. Um Let's get into the instruction on exercise details. Sure.
1: Okay. So the subjects were engaging in resistance training two days, two days a week and aerobic exercise two days a week. Um, There wasn't like a lot of specific details on how their resistance training and cardio programs were set up. So Um, they were just kind of told to do what they have been normally doing and not make a lot of changes. So they were trying to keep those variables consistent.
0: Yeah. And they, they didn't tell them, you know, about intensity and things like that. So it basically they had a baseline, um, in Mm -hmm. that example. So they just tried to keep it as, as close as possible. And then the researchers did measure the changes in the muscle mass, the body fat mass at the beginning of the study, and after the eight-week diet with coaching support, and then again at the end of the study, that lasts six weeks when there was no coaching offered. So the way that they did that was by electrical impedance. We all know that um, if you've listened to our uh, our past podcasts about body fat composition, that that's bioelectrical impedance is based on like hydration in the muscle versus you know fats a bad conductor of electricity and an electrical current goes through your body and it measures um, although it's not the most like accurate if you're not hydrated um, you know as long as you're comparing apples to apples it's a pretty good uh, way of doing body fat count pretty efficiently mm-hmm. so okay so results.
1: Uh, yes, so the so remember that the difference between the two groups is the study um, it was placed on the diets, so didn't really have to do with their exercise. So the flexible dieting group was told to reduce their calories by 500 per day to get at least 1.4 grams of protein um, per body weight and get the majority of their calories from unprocessed food. So they had like specific instructions. The time-restricted group was not told to reduce their calories, um, but they were, their restrictions were basically on the hours of the day that they could eat, like Amy had mentioned. Um, so their eating window was limited, and the authors uh, assumed that the subjects would enter into would naturally enter into a calorie deficit during the eight-week dieting phase, um, just because of the limited time. Um so let's see they reported there was no significant difference between the two groups for total calories or macronutrient intakes. So I thought that was super interesting like one group with the specific instructions and the other one just given the time. Um they ate almost around the same amount of calories and protein uh it was like very similar. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, so both groups were eating just
0: about the same. Yeah. Yeah. And then the breakdown of protein, carbs and fats. So the time restricted feeding window, they kept their calories around 1800 and then the flexible dieting group was around 1736. Mm -hmm. So, and then I just wanted to know also, I think you mentioned per pound, but it's actually 1.4 per kilogram. So, it's actually substantially less than like what we would normally recommend, like with, um, you know, one pound per or one gram of protein per pound of body weight. Um, since KGs are converted by 2.2, uh, we Americans, we have our crazy (laughs) (laughs) non-metric form of (laughs) measurements. Okay. So as the composition comes into play, differences there is basically both groups lost the same amount of pounds essentially the flexible dieting group it was like 8.8 pounds and then time restricted was 8.4 pounds of total body weight but the percent of body weight and kind of like the fat pounds were where I saw the biggest difference so this time restricted feeding window they actually lost 7.5 of those pounds were from fat whereas the flexible dieting group was 6.4 and then percentage wise of body fat the flexible dieting group was 2.5 versus the 3.5% change um lower in the time restricted feeding window which is a significant amount of body fat in my opinion. So mm, yeah, that's interesting. I see that. Yeah. Okay. So what are your thoughts in terms of, you know, when it comes to mm-hmm. the, the differences of adherence? So they did the six-week basically post-nutrition coaching and things like that. So can you give the listeners a little bit about what happened to them after the coaching stopped?
1: Um, from what I remember, they maintained their weight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they just didn't see any further, like, drops or anything. But to, from the practices that they had done in the eight weeks, they just maintained their weight following after.
0: Yeah, in the specific, the flexible dieting group actually adhered to their diet 90% of the time. And the time-restricted actually stuck and adhered to their feeding window 98% of the time. So that's really good adherence on both. I mean, for me, like... I feel like my clients, especially for gen pop, an 80-20 approach is pretty, you know, the Pareto principle. That's a pretty good, you know, measurement of staying on percentage-wise as far as, like, adherence to a diet. 98% is, like, really, really good. Um, You know, that's almost following at 100%. So it shows that this isn't a difficult adaptation, you know, to adopt, once you get into that pattern, it actually, and I can just speak on this in personal experience, once you get into that time-restricted mode, it's like your body is programmed to eat at those times, and it really, it doesn't bother you to, you know, for me, mine stops at 4 p.m., and most people would be very hungry at night, a lot of their cravings and, like, poor food choices would happen after 4 p.m. for the majority of the population, because we're just, more fatigued after work and making decisions and being tired and things like that. But I do notice that when I stick strict to my feeding, time-restricted feeding window, I'm very diligent about, you know, feeling more comfortable about cutting off my food time around that rule. Um, My body is just kind of like primed up for, you know, knowing when I'm going to be eating and knowing when I'm not. And then it kind of makes some of that hard decision-making on like whether or not I want to binge or eat snacks at night, um, a little bit easier. So I don't know. I think there's something hmm. to the 98 versus 90% adherence rate, but, um, that's just my opinion.
1: I think that it's, um, that's a little bit.
0: Oh, Are you still there? I think we lost her. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I'm just going to continue <laughs> and kind of wrap this thing up. Hopefully we'll get Chris's thoughts on the next one um, in terms of that. So as far as the whole approach to both of these diets, when we're looking at both, no one is superior to the other. Both strategies worked very well. And you can see that whatever is the most sustainable for your lifestyle. So I just gave my opinion on time-restricted feeding window. But a lot of people maybe that have, you know, if they're nursing or pregnant or they have blood sugar issues, they can't follow that um, particular diet because, you know, maybe for various reasons in their life. So when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, you want to look at the individual. What their life is like and that's really how we approach our unicorn prep at glam girl is that you have to look at the client what their needs are and go from there so does it fit into their lifestyle maybe you have a shift worker that time restricted feeding window is perfect for them they have just a small window of time where they're not on their feet working in a factory and they can follow that perfectly Or you might have, you know, um, a surgeon where they're in surgery for an extended period of time. So time-restricted feeding window works great for them. You might have uh, somebody like a pilot where they, you know, they have to get their meals when they can. And so maybe the flexible dieting approach is better for them. Or maybe they're, you know, a nurse and they're attending to patients. So they kind of just have to get their snacks in when they need to. So, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is what works for that person. And that's going to be the best approach for anyone that wants to stick to a diet. It's the adherence that makes such a difference. So, without my co host, I feel remiss by continuing this podcast, but I wanted to leave you with those thoughts. And I also, we always like to hear what you think about this. So, Let us know what you thought some of the strengths of this, uh, you know, research was and then what some of the limitations were. We'd love to, you know, get in conversation with you. So you can find us on Instagram at PrepLife Podcast or at Glam Girl Bikini. Feel free to tag us on your story or comment on our post and um, let us know what your thoughts are. We always appreciate a rating and review. It just helps other people that are interested in similar topics find us so uh, we try to keep it ad free for you so that we can just kind of pay it forward to others and share knowledge about the sport of bodybuilding you can find our coaching at glamgirlbikini.com this is your founder and ceo of glamgirl bikini amy anger signing off and i miss my fabulous co-host but she loves you all too chris nicole thanks for listening, guys.